Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, all right, on this Freedom Friday. Are we ready to rumble? I think so. Hey, we had, uh, I was out last night at an um, incredible event, Caring Network. I thought I was going to go to an event that had a couple hundred folks at it, Max. Like 1,200 people where at this the, event. That's awesome. Boom crewers out the Wazoo. Really? Where? Uh, Drury Lane. Yeah. That uh, oh, great that little theater? banquet theater facility. Yes. Oh, cool. It's must have its own town because <laughs> Drury looks like, I mean, you take off ramps, it's got signage oh, for yeah. Drury Lane. In Oakbrook Terrace. Yeah. It was great. It was an uh, incredible time. And, um, Jerry, if you're up and rolling, he sat right beside me. He's a boom crew maniac. Hot dog, I love you. Proud of you, Jerry. You go rocket for Jesus today. Oh, it's just salt to the earth, folks, there. Ben Watson spoke last night. 16 years in the NFL. Oh. And he just he just retired. And uh, had to have been just a couple of years ago. I think he came into the league. Check that out, Young Thunder. Ben Watson, when did he come into the league? Right. He won a Super Bowl. I don't know who he was with. Patriots when he won the Super Bowl. Find out who he won the Super Bowl with when he came into the league. He played for three teams. I know it was the Patriots and the Ravens and the, I want to say Colts. Okay. I don't know who it was. Yeah, I'll try and I'll, I'll get on them. I'll try to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, check that one out. But it was, um, it was really good. Guys, they had a video montage of girls that, you know, come into the Caring Network and they're wanting to get an ultrasound, figure out their options, find out what's going on. And the amount of lives that are being saved through this ministry, wow. Wow. And they were wanting to raise uh, 800000 last night. They What's the name of the ministry again? Caring Network. Caring Network. Yeah, okay. Caring Network of Illinois. And, you know, here's what I realized, because I didn't know too much about Caring Network. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. They are having huge inroads. But the need now here in Chicagoland, in Illinois, guys, do you know how many, we're becoming a abortion tourism hub. Yeah. Because of the fact of the overturn of Roe v. Wade now and then the neighboring states, all of our neighboring states are pretty lockstep Mm -hmm. with conservative values. Well, Illinois is this hub now for abortion tourism is what it's called. Guys, it's just horrific. So they're already seeing a massive uptick of people coming in from surrounding states. Actually, uh, Planned Parenthood, Hood and other of their ilk are setting up shop here now. Ones that were shut down in Tennessee are now moving here. Hmm. Uh, a couple other states, I don't know. I forget all the details. They were coming at me fast and furious last night. But boy, serious stuff. What but, was the most encouraging thing uh, that came out of? Oh it for my you? word! The testimonies last night. Here I am. I'm crying, man. Should have been going to bed, and I'm crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was um, it was amazing. One one young lady had her story on screen and then they followed it up by having her come up at the end of the video montage just with her little guy in her hand and this little guy he is plump reminded me of Cabe and he was so chunky like your boy yeah like <laughs> our, our son when he was born because our, our little son man he had rolls of fat that we had to wipe all the sweat out from under so that he didn't get jungle rot oh I mean, he had Cabin had jungle rot, man. We had to keep wiping him down, you know. Well, he was he he was a big boy, yeah, and he ended yeah, up a big he's, boy. He's now six eight and a quarter, <laughs> but he was he was so chunky. 
doctors said, Janine, you're not giving him milk, you're giving him milkshakes. This kid <laughs> is putting it on. But this boy was a big boy like that. And he was just this happy kid, just a little teeny guy. I don't know how old he was. He's not walking yet. So he's shabby year. But just a beautiful little guy. Yeah. And to think that he was a life that was saved. That's awesome. It was also sweet to see a testimony of a woman that went through post-abortive depression and how God rescued her from that. You know, she made a profound statement. She said that she discovered life in Christ when she was 36, but then she had to discover the freedom of not being ashamed. Mm. And uh, how God did that for her was pretty awesome. Well, we've got a real treat for you today, Boom Crew. I'm telling you, we've got, you know, this has been Missions Week. And, you know, you wonder, well, how do you link missions with Freedom Friday? Easy! Yeah, I don't think that's a hard... That's not hard to do. thing at all. So we've got a treat for you in studio. We've got a couple of characters here. I'll tell you, these guys are radical Jesus followers. One of them is my right-hand man at 180 Chicago. His name is Ajit. And I get a kick out of people trying to pronounce his name. Ajit, how do people pronounce your name? Come on. Well, Carl, um, a lot of the, a lot of different ones. Ajit, Ajit. I'm just used to Ajit. Yeah. Ajit, yeah. Well, oh. you, you know, that's for the Spanish speakers among us. Yeah, we well, that's have. how my wife, the first time she met me, she goes Ajit for like three days. And I'm like, I'm not Ajit, I'm Ajit. <laughs> That's funny. And we get Sheridan with us. How you doing, Sheridan? I'm doing great, Carl. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, it's a joy to have you here. So we're going to get the full stories of these brothers coming up. And kind of the angle that we're going to hit this morning, Allie, and I know this is near and dear to your heart, is the persecuted church around the world really puts on display for us how it is to walk in freedom. And I, th- I think it's so easy to lose sight of that here. I mean, we think about the challenges that we face here in this country as believers, and we can easily start to think, oh, well, you know, we're being we're being targeted for our faith. And it's not that that doesn't happen in this country, yeah. but we can we can really lose perspective until we start to take in stories from people around the globe, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering, who are facing persecution. We need to stay aware of that. Yeah. And it raises the bar for what authentic faith is. Absolutely. And we we talk a lot around here about the illusion of salvation. According to Matthew 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and these are people that preached in Jesus' name. They cast out demons in Jesus' name, and they did mighty works in the name of Jesus, which, you know, for many years, I think in even pre-Christ, I would have imagined the people that said, Lord, Lord, and he says, I never knew you. Those are the guys bellied up to the bar at happy hour. They're the guys out there making corporate bucks. They're climbing ladders. They're sleeping around. No, the the great threat is people who are in the church, who are maybe going to church, who are leaders in the church, that are doing great ministry in the church. I mean, that's even hard for me to say right now. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a hard thing to say because you're like, nah. It can't be. Well, it is. Uh, the reality is the illusion of salvation is real. And so I want you praying today, Boom Crew, because we're believing that as we hear from our brothers who are from India of what the authentic faith looks like and what it costs people in Bengal, in Punjab, um, and uh, even the more remote regions. This is an interesting thing here. Um, and I'm, let's just jump in the deep end here. We'll get to a song. Ah, let's go to a song. When we get back, I want to I get a picture of 
the we've got a reverse situation in in India. In the big cities, there's almost a little more openness to the gospel, mm-hmm. or at least having churches set up, than in rural areas. The persecutions in rural yeah. areas. Here, you come to the big cities. Whoo, it's post-Christian. Mm-hmm. There's way more immorality. Uh, not way more immorality. There's more of um, there's lack of tolerance for the absoluteness of the gospel. Uh, but it's flipped. In India, it's flipped. And we're going to talk about that coming up. We're going to have an incredible day here. I just feel it. God's going to move, and we're going to watch him do something amazing. This is I Am They. There is no impossible with God. You believe that this morning, Young Thunder? Of course I do. By the way, someone in the Boom Crew really talked about your singing. I'll tell you about that coming (laughs) up. Going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We got Sheridan and Jit Christopher. Jit is my right-hand man at 180 Chicago. He's a great guy. He's a PhD, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's great. I feel like I'm the hole in the donut. <laughs> the I, hole in the yeah, donut? Yeah, I'm the hole in the donut. <laughs> Why? Okay. Well, I've got my dad's got a PhD. My daughter's got a PHD. Uh, my right-hand okay. man has a PhD. Yeah. So I don't need a PhD. I got all these PhDs around me. I'm yeah, the hole okay. in the donut. Easy peasy. Yeah, it's great that way. But Ajit is not only a brilliant man with a phenomenal mind and a great heart for the Word of God, but he is um, he's a humble dude, and it's awesome to have him as our, my right-hand man. I'm getting choked up thinking about Ajit, and he's sitting right here. <laughs> Plus, he's a knucklehead, so I like to try to keep him in line every now and then. What's it like? Uh, I'm going to do a preemptive strike. You know what my preemptive strike is? What's that? What's, what's it like working with Carl? Let's just do that, Ajit. <laughs> I'm just you need to be careful here, young man. <laughs> now you're protected. You're yeah, protected. okay. Go ahead and freewheel a little bit. No, it's 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 a lot of fun. I love working with you, Carl, and just to see your passion for the gospel, just for uh, people in Chicagoland to be reached by the gospel. I think that's something that really gets me, you know. And I love that you're ca- crazy, you know. And that's <laughs> that's how we got to be. And you kind of. <laughs> You kind of embody what you talk about in your book, Seven Resolutions, about taking risks. There's no status quo. You know, you're always moving forward. There's always new ideas that you come up with that we got to, like, implement. And it's sometimes, you know, not convenient, but that's how it is, you know. Sometimes not convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's how it is. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> See, we got to be dicey. We got to be careful. Here. I this knew is... that Ali was going to start asking questions and stuff like that. So, you so figured I you'd to throw that one out there. Preemptive strike. Uh, Sheridan is with us here. And Sheridan, Boom Crew, you need to know something. We are going to actually be a little bit veiled about what's going on with Sheridan here, only because I want to, let's be real. Sheridan, you come from India. The gospel, I, I never realized this until I was talking with Ajit. Um, in the, the, the lay of the land governmentally in India doesn't make it super. Uh, the gospel's not real popular with the government. So we have to be a little bit careful here. But the gospel's changing lives in India, isn't it, Sheridan? Yes, absolutely. The gospel is uh, transforming lives. God is at work. And, um, and the Spirit of God is moving as powerfully as ever. And uh, one of the things that we see in India is, you know, the conversion. Um, when you read in the Bible, it's, uh, it's a spiritual experience. You know, it's dramatic, it's sudden. 
And when you see, you know, when, when there is a divine encounter, the people's lives are changed. And the road to Damascus experience of Paul, we read that often in the scriptures. But the narratives, narrative is so different when you see what's going on in India. It's, it's, it's seen as a social stigma. And, uh, and when somebody comes to the faith, uh, it's seen as, as if you have betrayed your, your faith, uh, your, your culture, and your family. And, uh, and it is termed as anti-national. And, and, and one of the things that we see going on in India is this, this Hindu nationalistic agenda that's, that's trying to create this narrative that, uh, you know, that India is a Hindu nation, right? So anything that you do apart from this uh, restricted culture embracing a new faith will, will call you an anti-national. But, this, but the church is thriving and God has been changing people's lives. And as we read in the Bible, when there's persecution, the church grows. And we have been saying, you know, people's lives transformed and, and church is sprouting in different parts of the states. It's so cool. One of the coolest things, Ali, that we we had uh, shared and share at uh, 180 a little bit about what the what the church planting effort is that they're doing, but to see the offerings in remote churches, and you said you might say, "Well, see the offerings? What do you mean? People are laying out all the money, ears of corn, grain, huh. rice." So the picture of the offering was foodstuffs that people were bringing in to share with one another as they had need. It's wow. an Acts 2 church. Yes, yes, that sounds biblical. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, coming up here in a moment, um, we're going to get some stories of life change. But really what I want to do on Monday, remember, Ali, I had shared some of what uh, Sheridan had shared with our leadership at 180 Chicago. But I really want to hit the – I'm going to be choked up here all morning. Uh, what I really want to go after is Sheridan um, – what is the gospel? It's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. But what does it look like? Freedom stories right from India coming up. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew mornings. It's Freedom Friday. Come on, you feeling it, Young Thunder? Oh, I'm feeling it, Carl. Give me the uh, give me the Ben Watson info on that. Last night I was mentioning that I was at a Caring Network event, yeah. and it was amazing. Ben Watson spoke 16 years in the NFL. Who did he play for? I played for a bunch of people. Played for the Patriots. Played for the Ravens. Uh, he came into the league in 2004, and then he won. He won his Super Bowl with the Patriots. He's got uh, seven kids, and the story of how they came up with seven kids was absolutely hilarious. Hmm. The, the he. Uh, Ben prayed, God, don't let us have six. So they had twins. Oh, goodness, <laughs> and he man. He says, you got to be specific with your prayers. But his mom, Ben Watson's mom, was in the room when the ultrasound was going. And, and the ultrasound said, you don't have a baby. You have two. And Ben said, my, my mom's not even Pentecostal, but she whipped off her shoes and started dancing around the room. <laughs> it's a great story, <laughs> man. Awesome. It's a great story. Ben Watson, righteous dude. Got a couple of guests in studio here with us today. Yeah, friends of Carl and Pastor Sheridan is visiting from India. And then Ajit Christopher, born and raised in India, now currently serving as the executive pastor at 180 Chicago, along with Carl. Yeah, it's really cool. All right, Sheridan, we want to get into this. You've got a church planting ministry in India. How many churches right now are, are constituted in this thing? Oh, there are 12 churches which are spread across different parts of India. And some of them are pretty young churches, right? Yes. Pretty some of, new. Some of them are pretty young churches, yes. When someone comes to faith in Christ, give us a freedom story. Explain to us what the cost is. Oh, the, the Brahmin man 
that was had was almost incinerated. Give us that story. This is an amazing story here. Yeah, um, here this was a guy who was from a very high priestly caste, right? And uh, especially when you accept Jesus, there is there is a whole community that tries to ostracize you for your faith. And this so happened that this boy became a Christian and he was attending a church on a Sunday morning and his friends just call him out, uh, out of the service, pull him out, and then they begin to pour gasoline on him and, and set him ablaze. And uh, at, at that moment, he just, uh, he, he just saw a vision. And in that vision, uh, what he saw was the, the picture of, of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fourth man in the fire walking along, which is the likeness of the Son of God. And as he was seeing that, suddenly he, he came back to his senses. And he realized he was right in that open field. And, and all that he could see is just his whole body is drenched in gasoline and all his friends have fled away. And apparently they have seen this. There's this fourth man in the fire was present with him at that time. There's numerous stories, numerous stories about how God intervenes in those circumstances and reveals. But, 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 but the, as I said, the, the problem is that, you know, the, the narrative is that we want uh, the Hindu uh, you know, nation, you know, as, if, as, as far as India is concerned. And they use all these different kinds of anti-conversion laws to weaponize against, against the Christian population and, and justify their persecution. But the church begins to survive. You know, I, Sheridan, I'm reading a book right now that talks about the American church versus the church abroad. And it, it, it said something that stuck out to me that we've talked about on the show, Carl, that a lot of times we think that kind of sur- sacrifice, surrender is part of the sanctification process, that eventually we'll get to a place in our faith that we're able to give up everything. But in places of the world where the cost is high, that's biblical right at the outset. You have to be ready to abandon all, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. That's never more real than it is for people who become uh, Christians in India, right? That at the beginning, they have to be ready to leave it all. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. You know, I I, I remember, um, you know, what Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verse 12. He says, what has happened to me has led to the furtherance of the gospel. It's very significant in Christian life. What happens to you is very, very significant because God is using all that to to advance the gospel. And what was happening to Paul is that he's in prison, but he's saying, but the gospel is not bound. The spirit of God is not bound. He's working within the prison walls. And he's saying the palace guards have come to know all this has happened because of Jesus, right? And and that's what is happening in the in the church back home. And whatever goes on, whether the churches are being vandalized or you're being persecuted for your faith or being ostracized by your community, or or in spite of all of that, whatever happens, people begin to realize that it leads it leads to the furtherance of the gospel. In this particular church, in one of the churches where you know um, the whole church was summoned by the police department because uh, uh, because um, a particular a baptism service, which happened out in the open, you know, was reported. It, it was a big news. It came in the newspapers and the whole church was summoned. And everyone, every church member has to give their testimony about how they came to the faith. And, and the church stood for their conviction, right? And from the following week, they, they were not allowed to, uh, you know, s- uh, open their church, uh, the, the physical location where they used to it. But, but still, the church met in the houses and they continued to worship the Lord. 
So all this, whatever happens in their life, all leads to the furtherance of the gospel. The more we are oppressed and suppressed, the more the gospel begins to spread. Yeah, and the interesting thing that Alice, I think, featured in here is this reality that, and, and Sheridan, I think, this is hard to say, but it's true, stateside Christianity sees denial of self and the cost of discipleship as the down-the-road sanctification, this is what's going to happen. In India, Ali's right, isn't she? That's at the beginning. You know the cost of discipleship from day one because you can lose family, you can lose income, yeah. all yeah. these things, right? Yeah, prob- yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because that's that's the kind of standards that Jesus has placed for us, right? When he said, come and follow me, he said, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. And where was he leading? He's leading his people to, to Jerusalem, right? So, and, and when Jesus said, you know, you, you got to, if you, if you put your hand to the plow, do not look back. You know, he who puts his hand to the plow is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's not, your hand could be in the plow, but God is concerned about our hearts. So it's so important that your hearts are so committed to following Jesus. And there's so many stories, you know, where you find yeah. that God is moving. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, coming up here, um, you're listening right now and you might be saying, well, what is what is salvation? And some of you might be tuned in this morning going, man, I, I came here this morning because I'm looking for something. Or maybe the Holy Spirit right now is causing you to say, ooh, where am I at really spiritually? Have I put my hand to the plow? Am I not looking back? Am I willing to pay the ultimate price with my life if that were ever to be called on on me? Coming up here straight ahead, we are going to, right after news, we're going to let Sheridan and Ajit, two brothers with um, Indian origins, and uh, Sheridan's just visiting here a short time, going to go, go back to these church plants and all the ministry in India. We're going to let them share the good news of freedom on Freedom Friday. Hey, Boom Crew, this is Matt Forte. Huddle up, because we're taking our next step with Jesus here on Call and Crew in the Morning. We've got a couple of real characters in studio with us here. Now, they they happen to love cricket. Now, I don't know why. You set up (laughs) sticks in a field. Yeah. You put a stick on top of these sticks in a field. Yeah. One guy's trying to knock the stick off the top of the sticks in the field. Mm -hmm. And the other guy's trying to block him from doing that. Sounds pretty simple to me. It's called cricket. Yeah. How did he get the name cricket? A jet. I don't know, Carl. (laughs) How in the world did it get the name Cricket? We got to figure, what's the origin of Cricket? Young Thunder, Google this okay, thing up. Give us a minute. We'll figure All that right, out. We're going to figure that one out. Uh, and uh, coming up here in this next half hour, we're going to have a lot of fun. We got a bro- some brothers here, not only a Jit, Christopher, who's my right-hand man at 180 Chicago, yep. and a dear, dear friend. He's a spiritual son of sorts to me, and uh, I love Jit dearly, guys. Boom Crew, I want you to know I've just got a real gem with this guy. He and his wife, Katie, are amazing. They've got a daughter we've been talking about in here. She's not two yet. She's trilingual. She speaks Tamil. She speaks yep. Spanish. And she speaks English. It's amazing. My, yeah. Coming up in a minute and a half, I want to tell you about a time when my wife was watching little Roshni. And uh, which means what? Roshni. Light. Means, means light. light. 
And uh, it's it's hilarious. We'll give you that. And we're going to give the origins of the word cricket because my brother, Ajit, doesn't know. Sheridan, you're from India right now. You're just here visiting. Do you know the origins of the word no, cricket? I'm afraid no. Oh, my word. All right. We're going to try to get those that information to you. Straight ahead, guys. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. And I, I Googled it up. I did. My, I have my own Google search engine. In oh, here. yeah? Yeah, my own. So cricket <laughs> derives itself from the word stick and by a creek. Crick it, stick it. <laughs> and what, what it was is they were by a creek. They set up these sticks. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody came along and saw his sticks up there when he put a stick on top. Uh-huh. And he yeah. didn't like that guy. Oh. And he threw a wadded up ball of, of of sticks at the cricket. Huh. And he hit it down. And the other guy said, no, no, you got to throw it again. This time I'm going to block it. So he grabbed us another stick, yeah. a bigger stick. Uh-huh. And he tried to block the what they then he said, don't you hit my cricket wicket. And so he held that stick in front of it. He and then the the game began. Okay. Interesting. Now, that's what I found. So, so you just made that up entirely. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, can you can you confirm? That is fake. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> All right, what's Google say? How did cricket get its name? Uh, well, so basically, the short answer is that no one knows exactly, but uh, it's believed to date back to the 16th century. Uh, the name deriving from the Anglo-Saxon word "crick," meaning shepherd's staff. That's oh. what I know. Or the thing you get in your neck when you sleep on your pillow. The cricket. <laughs> <laughs> you get the cricket in the neck. It's also that. The cricket in the neck. Okay, we got a couple of great brothers here. It, it, you know what's amazing about the gospel? Ali, you know this because we've been doing it all week. There is something instantaneously that links you together when you are in Christ. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you've just met that person for the first time. When you're in Jesus, it changes everything. It, all of a sudden, you have instant fellowship. It's kind of like Instapot. Yeah. You know, it's like you got this instant fellowship right there. Yeah. And that's what we have in studio today. Coming up, we're in for a ride, guys. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Special guests with us on this Freedom Friday, we've got Pastor Sheridan and Ajit Christopher. Uh, we're talking about outreach and ministry church planting in India, which Ajit, you just said something off air I want to share, you want you to share on air. When we think about India, we don't usually put it in a certain category, but it is. Explain. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the uh, Open Doors World Watch List, which is basically identifies the top 10 countries, top 50 countries, actually, where people are persecuted for their faith. And India is number 10. And you don't associate India with countries such as Afghanistan, North Korea, Libya, Yemen, Iran, where there's a lot of persecution. You just don't group India along with them. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the top 10 most persecuted countries. Yeah, it's a, it's it's significant. Um, what in the world got you guys into church planning? What what compelled you? Obviously Christ. Yeah, and uh, for a population of 1.3 billion, we're 2% Christian. So that's that's literally like, you know, uh, 60 million maybe. Even yeah, that's huge, but there's so many people who don't know Jesus and just and I I got an opportunity to travel right out of college to just different parts of India and just see the need that's there. People dying without Jesus. 
have no hope of eternal life. And that's kind of like God is going. And one of the things our church planning is mostly um, focused on northern India. Uh, Traditionally in Christian missionary history, we had a lot of missionaries come to southern India and we have a lot more percentage of Christians in the south part of India. So we send missionaries to uh, these unchurched parts of India where the gospel has never been preached before. So we've had churches where that's the only church for about 50 to 100 miles. Sheridan, when they hear about Jesus, how do, how is the gospel presented to a Hindu person? Mm. Yeah. How do, how, do, how do you present it? Yeah, the gospel is presented, you know, as much as we do here. You know, it's it's Jesus is the one true living God, and 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 only He can save you because Hindus, you know, the people of other faiths have so many different things. You know, that's that's become part of their tradition, which right. in fact teaches them you know, to do something to get rid of this sin. There's a common thread that runs throughout the religion that you can you can do something, you work your way out to salvation. Some of the interesting, you know, beliefs that they have. You can you can take a dip in the in the Ganges, supposed to be the holy river, and wash your sins off, you know. But but it doesn't get the guilt is always there. You know that you're not free. You know that something is still missing. But when you tell people there's one person who's given his life to set you free, you know, and that's that's where they begin to experience this transformational change in their lives. That Jesus has come to set you free from religion, from the oppression, you know, from sin. And and when they open their hearts, you know, how, when Paul was preaching, the Spirit of God opened the heart of Lydia. Yeah. And when the Holy Spirit begins to open their heart, and they and it's instantaneous. And and mostly in 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 cultures like that, you know, God attests the gospel with signs and wonders because people need to see, mm. you know, because all these years they've gone in, an, in, 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 in Bengal, if you go to a temple, there's a tree there and they're hanging a lot of magical threads in different colors. People come there to the temple, you know, and take a thread and tie praying to those gods that, you know, some, you know, good fortune will come. Mostly they are barren. Mostly there's a lot of sickness, you know, and they're, they're expecting something from God, you know, and, but years, they don't deliver. They don't deliver. And years and years of waiting. And then finally when you come and there's a simple prayer that's offered and God works a miracle. You know, the demon possessed is set free and somebody who's lame starts walking and people experience the peace that they have not experienced. And that's what Jesus does. Ajit, are people struck by the simplicity of the gospel? Because when you think about someone from a Hindu background and the many deities that are that are worshipped and the systems that people go through to try to get rid of sin, are people... Is it, does it almost seem too simple? Yeah, you're right, Ali. People, when we tell them the gospel, mm-hmm. that this is God's gift and you don't have to do anything and to receive it, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. You always are wired to do something, you know, and, and like Pastor Sheridan pointed out, you do crazy things, crazy, uh, you know, you're, you're pulling carts with hooks attached to your back and things mm-hmm. like that just to ask God's forgiveness. And here we go and say, hey, all you got to do is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's, it just blows people, you know, away. Wow. Pastor Sheridan, you, you've you shared uh, a couple stories today of people seeing visions, uh, Christ encouraging believers through visions. Uh, you don't hear a lot of those types of stories in America. Mm-hmm. Is that a common story that you hear in your missions work in India? Uh, And if it is, why do you think that you hear so many stories of Jesus showing up to people in visions? Yeah, it is pretty common. And and especially as Ajit was saying in the Northern part of India, when you travel in the context of missions, right, where there is oppression, there's so much of oppression, 
you know, and these people are are, are longing for love and, and they're so desperate for God to show up, you know, and in their ignorance, the, the, the God of the world has blinded their eyes. Yeah. And when they get an opportunity to hear about Jesus, their heart just opens up. Their faith is so simple. And many times I've been in those congregations and I've prayed and I've said, Lord, probably I'm the preacher today, but I don't think I love you as much as they do. Because mm. the way they worship, the way their hearts are so, they don't have money, they don't have education, you know, they don't have a job. They live in this squalid group of mud houses, but their faith are so simple. I think mm. that's the secret. When you come to God with a simple faith, you're willing to believe anything, receive anything, it just becomes real. What does a worship service look like in India when these people come to Jesus? Are they posturing themselves on the ground, yeah, you're smiling right now. What's it look like? Yeah, they're 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 just some of them are prostrate on the on the ground. You know, most of them are kneeling with their hands lifted up. And the moment you start worshiping, there are tears streaming down their eyes. The moment you start worshiping, and it's so powerful when you and they're very vocal. You know, and and people begin to just praise God. And this and it's so noisy. It's so loud. You know, and, we need more of that noisy yeah, and loud yeah. here in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing stuff. I want to tell you guys, there is an opportunity, and we're just doing this really gently. A lot of you have so many different mission opportunities, but bringing these brothers in, uh, we at 180 Chicago have made a commitment to partner with them. And we just are opening the door gently to say, if you want to be a part of this, every gift that is given today through a portal that Ali's going to give you a link to is going to go straight to these mission efforts and this church planting in India. And here's what I want you to know. We're not, this is all, everything that comes in this morning is going to go straight toward this effort. And this is a joy uh, to be able to know that you're leveraging resources toward people that you will not see until one day, maybe those tears of joy in the new Jerusalem, when they say your, your gift reached my village. What an amazing thing. And we want to make that available today. Just text the word IMPACT to 312-274-9624. You're going to get a link now. All uh, contributions through this link, just text the or, or just mark the IMPACT fund. And all of it is going to go directly to the efforts that we've been talking about today at church planning in, in, in India. So just text IMPACT to 312-274-9624. Coming up here, we're not done, guys. There are so many stories coming out of India, and even better than that, you might be tuned in this morning going, I want to meet Jesus like that. I want to know that Jesus. And we've got a couple of brothers here that are going to share the gospel that gives freedom on this Freedom Friday. This is Elevation Worship. Again, the link is just the word impact to our number here, 312-274-9624. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, guys, it's Freedom Friday! Woo! We love Freedom Friday. And we do, and it's been awesome to see people surrendering, finding life in Jesus this morning, and we want to be really clear with the gospel, and sometimes we get a little muddled with the gospel. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in, I've been in church most of my life, and 
I, it took me a long time to really understand what it meant to be saved. I heard that term kind of thrown around, but I remember being in services where maybe they would ask a question, do you know if you were to die when you left here, if you get hit by a bus, do you know where you're going to go? And if you don't and you want to go to heaven and you want to be with Jesus, everybody close your eyes. And if you want to know that you're going to heaven, slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. Slip it up just quick enough so I can see it and then slip it right back down. And so it was, I thought, okay, I'll slip a hand in the air just high enough for the pastor to see it and then take that hand right back down for fear that anybody else might, nobody else has to know about this decision. That's kind of what I always saw was it was this sort of secret decision that you would make between you and God and a pastor would see it. And then you would kind of get your ticket punched to go to heaven. That was kind of my understanding of the gospel. And, and the problem is that biblically, that's not the picture we get. The, not at the all. The picture we get biblically is a picture of people that are confronted with the person of Christ. Many just break and surrender, and then they go public. In fact, Jesus is clear, man. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. So there's this, There you got to pass through this threshold of this hesitancy because genuine belief says Jesus is my savior. Right. And that and I'm not suggesting that people can't get genuinely <laughs> genuinely come to saving by putting faith a hand in the air. by putting a hand in the air. So that's not what I'm saying. Well, here. excuse me. By Yeah, we got to be careful. Putting with your that. hand in the air as an indication of what's actually happening right. in your heart. Yeah. So certainly that can happen in a church service. But w- a conviction that of mine that's been growing as of late is that I think that we in, that we set the bar too low for people, that we make it seem as if that's all that's required of you is to quickly put a hand up and then you're good. Walk out of here and you know you're going to heaven. And that's just not biblical. Yeah, it isn't. And uh, boy, Pastor Sheridan and Pastor Ajit, Ajit is my right-hand man at 180 Chicago. He could probably tell you stories about working with Carl, but we're going to keep moving this morning uh, because Sheridan has come over from India. Uh, They both Um, really work in and with pastors in a church planting effort around India and the rural parts of India that have never heard the gospel. And when people come to Christ Sheridan in India, it's a high cost attached, but they come all the way to Jesus, don't they, Sheridan? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Explain that. It's a a decision that they make for life and, and they hold on to that decision. And I think it's one of the unique characteristics of a disciple, I think it's the spirit of boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. When you make a decision, there's so many factors that try to draw you, pull you back, you know, go back on your faith. But somehow the power of the Holy Spirit gives them the boldness and the courage to stand for their convictions. You know, you mentioned something because Sheridan was doing some training with about 50 of our leaders at 180 Chicago here last Sunday. And you mentioned something about following Jesus. You said a lot of people wonder, well, where, where, where are we going, right? Yes. Where are we going when <laughs> yes. we follow Jesus? Yes. Because Jesus said, you know, he just made that statement. He said, follow me. Yeah, follow me, yeah. you know, and take up your cross. And, and if you want to be my disciple, follow me. So all, the, the question that in, in all their minds is, where is Jesus leading us? And, uh-huh. and, and then, boom, eventually he leads them to the cross. And what is discipleship? Discipleship is denying yourself, you know, to the point that you're willing to give everything. I, I like Jackie Pullinger when she says this, you know, um, the, the gospel always brings life to the receiver and death to the giver. Unless you are dead to yourself, 
you cannot give life to others. If it happens to Jesus, it happens to everyone else. That is so true. You know, I feel compelled right now to pray, Father, in Jesus' name, to the person right now who has not yet believed to the point where they're willing to follow to the cross, Lord, break through today. And I just want to strip away uh, any kind of radio speak or any of that right now. And I'm asking for this person that comes here with a hole in their heart right now, minister powerfully to them. I pray right now, grab a hold of their heart, pull down the veils of darkness, pull down the blinders, and come on in, King of glory. Come on in right now in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. I want you to give the gospel, Sheridan, right now to the person that's listening who came, who feels sometimes, and this is the... This is the common dilemma of mankind. We we have nothing to offer Jesus, and that's okay, isn't it, Sharon? Yeah, absolutely. Explain that, the gospel right now okay. for our listener. That's okay, because I remember what Augustine said, you know, because we are created for him, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. You know, today our hearts are so restless. We are weighed down by so many things and we are trying to work things our own way, you know, trying to find out many possible solutions for our problems. But this is what the gospel says. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You just have to come. No strings attached. Just come the way they are. This is a gospel with Jesus with wide open arms stretched across and saying, come. Just come, respect your caste, your color, your creed, your religion, your background. Just come and I will give you rest for your hearts. Your hearts will cease to be restless. It's not just a hallowed feeling that comes upon you just you come to church or, or just you visit someone. It's, it's your heart set in repose with God. You begin to know that you are safe in the arms of Jesus. And, and that is the power of the gospel. When you give your life to Jesus, he changes it upside down. You might be uh, saying right now, I'm ready. I'm ready. So let's talk about this right now. A prayer, there's no set prayer in Scripture. It's an attitude of the heart. Let's let's do this together as a team. What must happen right now for this person who says, I'm ready. Yeah. I want that rest in my heart. It's an, The first is an acknowledgement of who you are apart from Christ, that you are a sinner and that there's no hope for you. There's nothing you can do to make yourself good. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to God. I am a sinner and I need a savior. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, what else would you say? The word repent, turn around. What's that look like in India? What's that mean for our li- our friend that's listening right now? Yeah, when you when you say you repent, you repent from all your old ways. You repent from from the things that you have done that has hurt you. That's 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 like a, you know, it's a cosmic treason against God when you have sinned, when you have fallen short of God's expectation. But all these, it just takes you on a guilt trip. But Jesus says, just stop there and just come to me. All that I need is your heart. And just just believe that I can change your life. Just accept the sacrifice on the cross. You know, there's, there's a divine exchange that happened, but Jesus took all your sin, your shame, your curse, your brokenness, your abuse, your sickness, and, and there's a j- divine trade-off that's happening and giving you life and life in abundance. And that can happen in a moment if you just accept him with, with your words and say, Jesus, I believe. Ajit, my brother. No, I'm just looking at Romans 10, 9, and just um, I'm astounded at how simple it is to, re- to have this relationship with Jesus. It says, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That is all. That is the gospel. Right now, do this with us. 
just say this right now. I don't care if you're driving right now. You don't have to close your eyes. You can have your eyes wide open because your spiritual eyes are being enlivened in Christ Jesus and just say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and I needed it. Just confess that to him. Tell him right now all the ugliness of my sin I just lay down right now. And I thank you that you paid the price for my sin. Just tell him, thank you for paying the price. Just say that. It's okay if you shout it out. Thank you for paying the price. And for some of you, you're breaking through pride because you've been in church maybe for a lot of years. But today, shine that pride. Say no to that pride and say yes to God and say, I reject this pride that would keep me from everlasting life and life abundant today. And I reject that. And I right now, I receive the life that is given to me in Jesus Christ totally. And today, I turn around and I go a whole new way. I repent. I turn. I follow Jesus today. And Father, over these that are right now surrendering to you, God, pour into them your spirit and thank you that you are going to protect them from evil. And when the evil one comes and says, oh, this won't stick, God, we know that your gifts and callings are irrevocable. We thank you that you who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we give you praise today for these that are following you for the first time ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that is you, I want you to do something right now. You know, you know that today is a new day. This is not like maybe something in the past. Something is new. There's a new day. There's a new savior. There's a new leader of your life. We want to help you in your first steps with Jesus. So if that's you, just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Nothing else, no names, no emojis, just that one word, welcome to 312-274-9624. You're going to get a link that gives you some encouragement, some practical next steps. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, on this Freedom Friday, got a couple of guests in studio, a couple of characters here, I'll tell you. Pastor Sheridan is visiting from India. We also have Ajit Christopher, originally from India, born and raised there, uh, now here in Chicagoland area, working with Carl at 180 Chicago Church. Yeah, it's a real blessing. By the way, welcome to the family, 9422. We see your number coming in, and uh, we're just praying that your life is not only made new, but that you are experiencing fruit coming out of your life in powerful ways. Welcome to the family. Awesome to have you here. Okay, uh, Sheridan, I want you to jump into what in the world your church planting movement that you and Ajit kind of uh, shoulder together, but your boots on the ground over there. What's going on? What is God doing? What's it look like to plant churches in India? And it's thrilling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. India is a very diverse country, culturally diverse. We have 1.39 billion people spread across 28 wow. states. And, and the uniqueness about this country is that every state is so different. Every state is unique. They speak a unique language. They have unique food habits. They have unique culture, you know, and probably Ajit can add a little bit on that as yeah, well. Yeah. And, you know, if we were to just go 100 miles north of my city, I don't know the language. I don't, you know, I'm not used to the no food. No kidding now. Really? So, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that either. I didn't yep. know that either. So I communicate with most of my fellow Indians in English because I don't know their language. <laughs> How many different languages are spoken in India? We, we have like, I think like 1,600 dialects and like 30 main languages. So we can't even count them. Wow. And there are more than 2,500 ethnic people groups, which means every group speaks a different dialect. 
That's how diverse it is. I think that is surprising to most people. Yeah, I I didn't know all those stats. I knew that there was some diversity. I didn't know it was like that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so church planting, what's it look like? How does it work in India? And you guys are seeing God do some amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We need to uh, identify these places, right, where, you know, as the Bible says, the man of peace. You know, when when you first go into these villages, you know, most of India, 70% of Indians live in villages. So that's that's where exactly, you know, we bring the gospel to. And most of these people were living here are probably belong to the, the lowest strata of the community. You know, sometimes they belong to this oppressed class, right? Mm-hmm. And they have never experienced what is what is love. They have been constantly, you know, isolated by the community. They're considered to be the low caste people. And when you bring them the gospel of Jesus, it's liberating. It's <laughs> liberating because all their lives they have lived in oppression. And then you come to share the gospel that unites us because there's no bond or, or, or free man. There is no young and, and old. There is no Jew or a Gentile. We are all one in Jesus, and then the this, the community that's existed with this discrimination of, of being a high caste and low caste, and all of all of them all together, you know, under one roof, they come and worship Jesus. I tell you, if you're part of that, it's electric. It transforms your life. <laughs> wow, you know? Ajit, what is what does church look like in India once these churches are planted and start to meet? What does that look like? Are, is that groups who are coming together in a building? Are they meeting together throughout the week? Describe that for us as best you can. Yeah, a lot of our churches in our organization are actually house fellowships. They don't have mm-hmm. a building. They're, uh, people are pretty poor. You know, they work all day, 16, 17 hours and earn a dollar. And that's pretty much it. And I remember going to some of these, uh, you know, churches, it's just probably the size of a small, you know, a 10 feet room, okay. thatched roof, mud houses, no electricity. And you have like 25, 30 people just like, you know, uh, stuffed in, in that room. <laughs> and that's where we worship and that's where we pray, you know. Um, wow. So it's powerful. What does, a, what does a worship service look like in India? Again, it depends on the context. Uh, in a lot of these villages, it's, it's a time of, you know, worship, you know, just... You could see the passion for God, just them crying out because they are under oppression. They're under financial, uh, you know, emotional, mental, physical, whatever you, you know, all sorts of oppression. So you can see them like call out to God and there is a sermon as well. So you have the main structures that we have here, but it's different still. (laughs) Now, some of those, some of those places where these churches are located is totally, you know, inaccessible to even public transport. So a Sunday morning would look like this for one of those remote villages, you know, in probably Bengal, you know, they have to travel close to 20, 15 miles, you know, to get to the church. They travel, you know, on foot and then they jump into a, a boat and cross the river and then they travel again to get to the church. And by the time they get back, it's it's in the evening, five o'clock. So your whole day is spent just going and attending the service and coming back having nothing to eat so the the church thought that you know the only way we can probably help them at least have their you know kind of uh, you know lunch or serve them something yeah. is to have a fellowship so they brought their bags of rice and oh, wow. the vegetables and they come into the church on a sunday morning after this church is over there is a communal meal and they walk back to their villages and that's that's how you know a sunday service looks like for the people from the remote parts of the villages but they come with so much of passion to worship the lord 
What are the biggest challenges uh, that a church in India would face? We think about the challenges for a, a Christian living here in the United States, the distractions. Um, is that the same there? Is there? Are the biggest challenges just getting distracted or having your focus set on Christ? Or are there other challenges that are more pressing? Well, I think particularly for churches in the cities, you know, we're, we're pretty similar to here. There's a lot of distractions. You know, we every, every young person in India wants to come to the United States. So it's all about pursuing the American dream as ah. it's constituted in our country. Every context. Indian has an American dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the villages, is very difficult. Life is just so hard. And mm -hmm. you're so integrated in these villages as a family. So you have a community of 30 people and then you become a Christian and then you're ostracized. So even getting groceries, you can't do that in your own community. You got to walk six miles for a bag of groceries and... Let me tell you, that's really inconvenient. Yes, yes, wow. Uh, guys, we want to do this. Uh, we've we've had a ton of opportunities for you, Boom Crew, to be a part of different efforts, and uh, we're not going to hit this hard, but we want to cast it out for someone that feels prompted of the Spirit to say, we want to get behind church planting in India. Here's what's really cool about this. I know Ajit, and because of that, I know Sheridan, and this is, these are, these are resources that are going to go to impact India and, and everything. We're going to give you a link here in just a moment, but everything that goes here, goes straight to India. There's nothing skinned off the top. This is going to go to boots on the ground. And we just want you to know that ahead of time. This is, it's difficult because, and I wasn't even aware of this until the last couple of weeks that you cannot just have this mission board in India and go, oh, let's go over there. and let that. No, no, this is not the state government of India is not allowing this. So we have to be a little bit creative with how we get resources into these pastors sure. and these churches that are being planted. Uh, but we have the ability to do that. So we've got a link for you here, guys. If you feel prompted to say, man, let's get some resources to reach more of these villages in cities in India that have never had a fair shot at the gospel. We got it for you right now. I want you to just text the word IMPACT to 312-274-9624. Now what this is going to get you, it's a giving link. Now this is through 180 Chicago. So just click the IMPACT fund and all of those contributions are going to go directly to uh, outreach and supporting these church plants in India. So text the word IMPACT and we'll get you started. IMPACT to 312 Two seven four nine six two four. Okay, coming up, we're gonna have a little bit of fun. We're gonna have some. I'm. A, I want to know what in the world they laugh about in India. What they really think about us Americans, and what they have going on that we should have going on right here. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM, Moody Radio. All right, we got a treat for you. Levi Hazen, he is the host of the Tove Podcast. They are reaching Jewish people. We're going to have him coming up in a moment, but right now we've got Sheridan. Uh, we're kind of holding off on some of the details of his background just because Christianity is not a popular religion in the Hindu culture, really the government of India now. Uh, Modi, who is the prime minister, Mo Modi or Modi? Modi. Modi. Um, he is, um, what's the best way to describe his position and posture toward Christianity, Ajit? Well, very impressive. I think um, they follow a, a philosophy called Hindutva, which just means that 
India is a Hindu nation. So anyone who's not a Hindu uh, is anti-national. And so now they're very virulent and very oppressive in how they deal with people of other faiths. And so we had uh, kind of asked uh, before we hit news, what we think about the Indian culture, what are some things that are different that make you laugh or that you do for fun that might be surprising or different to us here in the West? I think one of the things I love about our culture is just the colors and vibrancy. You can yes. see the women, the way that they dress and, you know, it's just everything is shimmery and bright. It's just so much fun. <laughs> Another thing is, and you guys might be able to relate to it, Bollywood is a big thing. And yeah. one of the things about our movies... I love Bollywood. <laughs> and, and I do of, Bollywood dancing at home. Absolutely. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I don't know if we can just let that one sit there. You do Bollywood no, dancing No, I mean, I don't do a lot of it, but I love, do, I love to try to mimic some of those moves. Oh, my. <laughs> I love it. I do. I, I love it. It's like an aerobic workout. Well, they, we should open a Bollywood dance studio. Let's you and do me, it. I, well, I'm not a good dancer, but I've seen you dance. I've seen your moves. You're great. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. What else can we learn, Sheridan, about India? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. India is a melting pot of various culture. It's very, it's fun to travel and, you know, get a little bit of exposure to that culture. You know, last month, you know, when we were in uh, Punjab, I, I did a mission trip before I could come to US, you know, and we went to Punjab and then we had a friend. We wanted to try how you would look on a turban. So there's a, there's a Sikh friend who came and, and helped us wear all of us a <laughs> turban. And with the turbans, we took photographs and I sent it to my daughters. They were just went crazy. <laughs> I feel like it's like adding 20 pounds to your head. Oh, my. Yeah, because it's a lot of material. Yeah. It is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What do you think, Allie? Me in a turban, a Swede in a turban? I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> no comment. Uh, is Bollywood? What I think I'm going to have a no comment there. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, guys, on this Freedom Friday, you know what I feel compelled to do? Just to lay out the gospel. Ajit, I'm going to give it to you. What, what does someone need to know that comes here today? Because we're talking this week about missions and that the gospel was to go to the Jew first and also to the Gentile or the Greek and you're talking to a ton of people here that some of whom have never had a fair shot at the gospel. Some are waking up with a big hole in their heart. What do you say to that person right now, Ajit? You know, Carl, what gets me about the gospel and just in the context of even India is Jesus did not have to come down for us to save us. And you think about 2000 years ago with just the facilities, the sanitation, just how backward it was. And Jesus coming down because he wanted to reconcile us to God. And, and that's, that's just, that's a pretty big sacrifice for God to do that. And today, uh, God wants us to experience that abundant life. God want, wants us to have our relationship with him reconciled. And, and it's pretty easy. You know, we just come to him as we are. We don't have to do anything. We just come to him as we are and just tell God that we need him. Oh, that's a good question. Because people in America do think that we need to get our act together a little bit, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. That's that's a very common misunderstanding. Yes. And so people think one day down the road when I can get my life together, when things are going a little bit better for me, then I'll, then maybe God would approve of me. Right. 
So dispel that myth because you've seen that in Hindu people and and Muslim people in India who have surrendered. And it's not a matter of getting yourself fixed up for Jesus today. Absolutely, Carl. And the tendency is for us to work on ourselves. It's just it's just the idea is just so alien and foreign to us that we don't have to do anything and just accept what Jesus has done. I love this verse in James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's just that plain and simple. Just come to God and God's there. He's there meeting you. He's that father who's who is waiting and waiting for the prodigal son to come back to him. You know, I don't know how to say what's in my soul right now, but I've got a yearning in my heart. And I just want to tell this to you right now. I want to say this super clearly. You're listening right now. I need you to know it is not an accident that you are here today. Number one. Number two, please don't let pride or any misunderstanding that you need to get cleaned up for God. Don't let that linger. Today is the day of salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation to believe in Jesus. And you might feel powerless and you think, I don't, I've, I've got too many things in my life that are screwed up. I need you to know today. Today, God wants to take you as you are. All your hurt, all your pain. I was speaking with a woman this last week who just felt like, Everything, everything in my life has gone bad, bad, bad. Here's what you need to, and her misunderstanding is that she somehow needed to clean this thing up. No, you don't. As a matter of fact, no, you can't, but Jesus can. And he's a healer and he's a reconciler and he's a restorer. And everything that you have made of your life, God can fix. And I'm asking you to enter in right now. I'm asking you to pray with me. And a prayer is a cry of the soul. And it just says, God, I need you. Just tell him that. God, I need you. I give my life to you today. Forgive my sin. Break my pride. It might be a big one for you right now. If you need that pride broken right now, just say it to him. Boy, that's a bold, courageous prayer. Break my pride. And lead me into life. I will follow you today. I believe you died for me. I receive life in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, and let it be. If that's you, first time ever, you've never before surrendered your life to Jesus, but today is your day. We want to help you take your next steps with Jesus. That's why we're here. That's right. Just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. We have a link we want you to send to you. Just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Okay, coming up, we got a real treat on this missions week. We uh we got a young man who looks a whole lot younger than he actually is, let this me is tell you. Yeah, very true. But he's got a powerful ministry. And a unique one. I if you're anything like me, this is going to be some new information for you. Something maybe you haven't considered but should. Yeah, hang on. This is coming up. Levi Hazen straight ahead. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, as we continue Missions Week here, we've got a special guest. His name is Levi Hazen. He's the host of a podcast. It's called The Tove Podcast, and it's a teaching ministry that brings a biblical view of Israel, eschatology, and ministry to the Jewish people. Now, Levi, you're a Gentile. That's right. <laughs> That's how God With made a me. great name to go minister to the Jewish people. Indeed. Levi is a very biblical name. It's a popular last name among the Jewish people, but the Lord set it up where it's my first name. Fantastic. How in the world did you get into a ministry 
to God's chosen people? It's a question that we oftentimes receive. Mm -hmm. And the reality is we did not know any Jewish people growing up, we being my wife and I. Okay. However, we wanted to go see Israel like a lot of people do. We love the land of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is getting good. So we went to Israel, studied the Bible, and we expected to check that off the list and move on to the next adventure. We returned from Israel with a burden that we did not expect. And so we just prayed, Lord, what do you want to do with this? What are you doing with us? We don't even have an outlet for this. Wound up going back to Israel the next summer on a mission trip to Israel. And instead of looking at the dead stones, which are wonderful to see, right. we interacted with the living stones and we shared our faith with people from north to south. And it was there in a conversation in the southernmost port city in Israel called Elat, where we had a conversation with a young Jewish girl who said, I am embarrassed that you know my scriptures better than I do. And what was happening there, I couldn't tell you at the time, but what was happening there is a principle found in scripture. In Romans chapter 11, verse 11, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an evangelistic tactic that you would never imagine, but it's right in the scriptures. That's Envy. right. That's right. It's yeah. provoking unto jealousy. And so we are literally, as believers, especially Gentiles, supposed to be living in such a way so that Jewish people see our lives and they desire the personal relationship we have with the God of Israel through his Messiah. Wow. Now, I noticed in your uh, kind of the Tove podcast description, it's a teaching ministry that brings a biblical view of Israel. Uh, do we have an unbiblical view of Israel? Is that... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are unbiblical views about everything. I think right? you sure. just threw him some red meat well, there. Well, I mean, what? so what's the unbiblical view of Israel that maybe you're trying to, to combat? Yeah, well, let's, let's just talk about one, and that would be the idea that Jewish people don't need Jesus. Mm-hmm. This view that Jewish people have their own way to God. They have their own covenant. They're chosen. They'll get a second chance. Exactly. This yep. is not found in the scripture. Nope. When Jesus was teaching and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me— who was he talking to? Jewish people. He, his audience were, was all Jewish. And Jewish people, like everybody else, need the gospel. They need to come into a personal relationship with God. And the only way to do that is through belief in Jesus. How is God removing the blinders that the God of this age has pulled up in front of a lot of our Jewish men and women who we love and want to reach? Yeah. Well, it's always amazing to me when I hear testimonies of unsaved, of saved Jewish people, how they have come. Into yeah, the that's what I'm dying to know. Right? And, and, and it, it varies. Sometimes we hear from Jewish people who simply open the scriptures. They read Isaiah 53 sometimes for the first time. And they say, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that Jesus was in the book of Isaiah. This is my Bible. This is the Hebrew Bible. What's Jesus doing there? But I'll tell you what, Carl. Nine out of 10 Jewish believers report that they came to faith because God used a Gentile to share with them. Nine out of 10. Nine out of 10 Jewish people come to faith because a Gentile had the chutzpah yeah. and the care and the love for their Jewish friends that they shared the hope of Messiah with them. This is exciting, actually. It really is. So you gave some stats off air that I'd like you to share on air. What? What are we talking about when we look at the Jewish population globally as it relates to faith? Yeah. So globally, there's about 14 million Jewish people in the world globally. Okay. There's about eight or nine million in Israel. Around 3% of those Jewish people know the Lord Jesus, Mm -hmm. which means statistically speaking, the Jewish people are an unreached people group. What's the percentage in Israel who know Christ versus those outside around the globe? Uh, Less than a percent. Less than a percent. Less than a percent. 
maybe 15,000 believers. Okay, so let me ask you a question with regard to Jesus as Messiah, because they would all say, even the secular Jews would be able to articulate, well, we don't see Jesus as the Messiah, but have they really had a fair shot at the gospel to hear who he was, what he came to do, and that he might well be? Yeah, that's a great question. The reality is, is that most of the folks that we encounter on the streets, in the supermarkets, uh, at Life and Messiah, that's the organization that uh, we, I serve with. Most Jewish people we talk to have never heard a clear gospel presentation. They've certainly heard the name Jesus. They certainly know there's a church around the corner. Sure. But they have typically been taught that Jesus is for the Gentiles. That Jesus was maybe a good Jewish boy gone wrong, and now Gentiles have made him into a god. And they've not heard a clear gospel presentation. And so that's what's needed. And so for those of you out there who might have Jewish friends that you're working with, Jewish neighbors, whatever it might be, they need to hear a clear, sensitive gospel message. Wow. What's the one thing? Our guest right now is Levi Hazen. He's a Gentile with a Jewish first name, which is very convenient for your ministry that you're in. By the way, when God was knitting you together in your mama's womb and mom and dad named you, he had a plan for you. That's right. He, right? put it, he put it in my DNA. For yeah, sure. he did. So what is the one thing about your ministry to Jewish people beyond what you've already shared that you just want to make sure that our, we call them the boom crew, our listeners to our morning show, what, what do you want them to know? I mean, it's burning in your soul. I want you to know this. What I want the listeners to know is that Every believer in Jesus should be involved in Jewish ministry in some way, shape, or form. Oh, now, now, that may be prayer. That's a bold statement, my man. It is a man. bold statement, but my friend, I did not come up with it. Because in Romans <laughs> chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says very clearly, he's unashamed of the gospel. Yes. As we should be unashamed of right. the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek or the Gentile. Now, if the gospel is supposed to be a priority for the Jewish people, we have church missions programs, we have world mission programs, and then each of us have some sort of an individual missions philosophy. Yes. If it is a priority for the Jewish people, how can we neglect it? I'm not saying that every person out there, every Christian needs to be in full-time Jewish ministry. No, no, no. Go fulfill your calling. But Carl, as you know, even Paul was considered an apostle to the Gentiles. That was his calling. Yeah. But where did he go? Who did he include, Carl, everywhere he went? Oh, Jewish people were everywhere. The Jewish people. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 9, if it were possible, I would cut myself off from Messiah for the salvation of my brethren. Yes. They are the Israelites. Well, I think we found a guy that matches us in the passion category here, Ali. I Allie. love this. The podcast, again, is called the Tove Podcast, and the ministry is called Life in Messiah. We'll get you hooked up there. Just text the word LIFE to 312-274-9624. LIFE to 312-274-9624. Levi, you've been a blessing here today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me on. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Want to feature an event that's coming up this Friday here at the campus of Moody Bible Institute. It's going to be an evening of comedy with Michael Jr. He's been called one of the most gifted comedian and storytellers, been on TV and stage appearance nationwide. And he's with us right now. Uh, Michael Jr., thanks for being with us. Is uh, Do you go by Michael Jr. or do the people who know you well just call you Michael or Mike? 
No, I'm probably Michael Jr. to to everybody. I have my kids call me that too. I think that's kind of important. <laughs> Is that important? Okay. So, what, <laughs> at what point in your life did you realize that you were funny? Did you have a moment where maybe someone told you, or did you just kind of grow into this role? Um, I kind of knew there was there was a moment. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and there was a moment when I was nine years old when I said something to my parents that I thought might be funny, but I had to pose it in the phrase of a question because I couldn't, uh, you know, it's better to do a question because it's safer. It's as if I'm walking in ignorance. And I said what I said, and they both laughed. And I remember at nine years old, sitting in the backseat of the car thinking, wow, I just made people older than me laugh. This is amazing. <laughs> and then, uh, then I started thinking about my career path. That's not true at all. Um, no. Okay. I, I pro- it I usually had, doesn't happen like that. What's the true story? Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly what happened. Aside from the career path part, but I really, uh, yeah, comedy has just been a part of me, but now I understand that it's only a part of me. Like comedy is the vehicle. It's not necessarily the destination at all. Mm, that's fair. Is that something that you had to kind of parse out as you got older? Cause it's easy uh, to kind of slap an identity, particularly if you're good at something. Did you have to figure out later on that, no, I'm not just a comedian. It's just a part of who I am? Uh, it just kind of all morphed because my desire for getting on stage, first it started out about me, like, yo, I get to get lashing people. But once I understood that, once you know, once I met Jesus, my need for recognition and acceptance from people actually went down quite a bit. Mm. So then I started asking a different question. Instead of asking the question, what, how can I get laughs? I started asking the question, what could I give to my audience? Once I started asking that question, my concern and desire to help them grew. And I knew laughter wasn't necessarily enough. Comedy will open up a heart, but it, it also, which just means it's an opportunity to make a deposit that can make a positive change into the people at the events. So that's what it's really about. I'm, all, I'm really called to comedically inspire people to walk in the purpose God has given them. Wow. So how do, how do you do that practically, to comedically inspire people to walk in purpose? Uh, how do you do that? Yeah, well, and I can do this anywhere. I'll be doing it on stage. And here's, here's what really happens is when I'm on stage, people will come, you'll see the show, we'll laugh. It's the same stuff I've done on Tonight Show, Comedy Central, all of these TV shows. But when I'm on stage, and I'm giving you some insight right now, what I'm actually doing is I may be presenting joke number one, but at the same time, I'm doing the math on what I think joke number two should be based off people are currently responding to joke number one. Then I move on to joke number three and start doing the math on what I think that joke should be based off how you're currently responding to number one and probably responding to number two. I actually used to go seven jokes deep when I first started my career. And again, the question I would ask is how could I get last from people? But now what I'm doing because I met Jesus, and he's giving me a different question to ask in between the gaps. And the question mm-hmm. I'm asking is, what can I give to my audience? And asking that question, something different happens just about every single show. Huh. Something different takes place. So Friday won't be any different. I'll be listening between the gaps. A lot of comedy will happen, but God will probably say something different like the other day in Nashville. I asked this lady, I just randomly asked people, hey, is there anything that bothers you? Does somebody have something here that really, this just kind of bothers you a little bit. Now, this is in the midst of laughing and we just having a good time. Yeah. And uh, this lady, and I shared some processes that you can do. And I shared how life will bring you people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. Hmm. And I wanted them to really understand that. So I said, let's find out. Is there anybody here who has a uh, something that bothers them? And this lady stands up. She says, I don't like stupid people. That's what she said. 
Okay. She said, I, I can't stand when people do stupid stuff. I was like, oh, interesting. So what do, you, what do you mean? And then she said, well, just like that question you just asked me, talking to me. That's what she said. That's a stupid question. I just told you now it's stupid. So I got 2,000 people that just sold our show, and they're about to turn on her any minute. Mm. But I know enough from reading people that in this moment, she's probably been triggered to where she's eight years old at this moment. Yeah. But she doesn't know it because this is how she functions. I said, so when you think about stupid people, pay attention to how you feel. How do you feel? Now I said, I asked her to pray. There's a couple, there's some steps in between this. But then I asked her to pray and ask God, where did that initial feeling actually come from? So I gave her a couple minutes. She prayed. And then her head pops up like people's head always do. Her head pops up and she looks different in the face now. I was like, what did you find? What did he tell you? I, and I explained to her, I said, a memory will pop up, a vision, an eight, something. And then she looked at me and she said, and with her lip kind of quivering, she said, I was standing by the chalkboard mm. and um, I did an assignment on the board and it, it wasn't right. And the teacher called me stupid. And all of the kids laughed and I ran out of the classroom. I was wow. like, oh, so now every time you enter a room, you have to find the thing that's stupid so it won't be you in order to protect yourself. And she was like, oh. Then we went on and laughed some more. I did some more jokes. Talked about, uh, I'm like, we just we just jump right back into the jokes. But that's what I mean by listening between the gaps. Like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm listening between the gaps. By the way, to all the listeners out there, in your life, there's gaps. Yeah. What question are you asking in between the gaps? Is it a question of what can I give or is it a question of what can I get? Mm. And if you don't know the answer to that question, I think you know the answer to that question. By default, we always ask, what can we get? So I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait. I got comedy scheduled. We're going to laugh a lot. And then um, we're going to listen in between the gaps. So I hope people enjoy the, uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. The show has been selling out all over the country. Super excited about this. Pretty insightful stuff. We've got Michael Jr. with us right now. He is going to be doing an evening of comedy right here on the Moody Bible Institute campus this Friday night. We've got a keyword for you. Just text the word junior to 312-274-9624. You can check out the link to buy tickets. Just text the word junior. Spell it out for me. 312-274-9624. Want more from your morning show? Check us out on social media. Just go to Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Well, we've got Michael Jr. with us. He's going to be uh, performing, I guess you call it that, an evening of comedy this Friday here at the Moody Bible Institute. Text the word JUNIOR if you want to get tickets, JUNIOR, to 312-274-9624. Michael, since you're on with us, our focus is on the gospel here. Tell us, how did you come to faith in Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to <laughs> the, the moody was about to change up here, wasn't it? Um, I met Jesus. Um, actually, uh, I was in, at a club in, um, where was I at? Oh, no, I was, yeah, I was at a club in New York City performing and, and getting ready to get on stage. And this comedian named George Wallace walked in and he saw me. And he saw that my comedy was funny and clean. And he asked me to do a show with him and his, his best friend, Jerry Seinfeld. So me and Jerry and George go through this big show. And then after the show, like I got two standing ovations that night. And then after the show, the club manager approaches me and says, hey, you had a great set, Michael. And he asked me, he said, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, man, you just did technically. He said, can I, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? I was like, church? I'm going to back up and go to church. And the reason I said no to him is because I knew a couple of Christians and they were creepy. By the way, as a side note, the other reason I told him no, I actually said to him, I said in my head as he asked me to go to church, 
I said, back up. You're making my feet hurt. That's what I was thinking. Oh, boy. And all of these years later, the reason, I mean, I used, I would say that, but I actually understand the truth in that now. And this happened by listening between the gaps. The reason I had a sensation of my feet hurting is because my, when my grandmother would take me to church when I was seven years old, this is a little side note, my shoes were always at least two sizes too small. Oh, of and course. church would last like six hours. Mm-hmm. So church would last six hours. My shoes are two sizes too small. So now I have a negative neuro association associated with being in church, right? But I didn't know it. I didn't know enough to press into it and get curious about it to find out why do I dislike church so much or when people bring up church. It didn't have anything to do with church. It was the fact that I was so significantly uncomfortable as a child when mm-hmm. I was there and it brought pain in my feet, which my brain is still associated with the situation. Anyway, so he invites me to this church. So I go to this church. And this dude is on stage talking about Jesus. He's just talking, not screaming, he's not yelling. He don't got no perm. He just he just talking about Jesus. And I'm blown back by this guy. And he just explained it. Then he did a thing where he did an altar call. He said, if you want Jesus in your life, all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and Jesus is yours. And Allie, I really wanted to do it. Like, I really wanted to. But I was like, nah, hmm. I got to read the pamphlet first. So I told myself I'd read the Bible before I gave my life over to Jesus. I didn't even have a Bible. A few days later, I'm at O'Hara Airport, and this lady hands me a Bible. Whoa. And we never ex- we never exchanged words. She just handed me a Bible and walked off like the Lone Ranger or somebody into the sunset. <laughs> and so I, so I take this Bible, and I start reading it. Well, first thing I read was the copyrights. The Bible was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm like, yo, me too. That's crazy. Like, I, I never met you before. That's crazy. So I'm reading the Bible, and I'm going to church. Reading the Bible, going to church. I'm putting in like 12 to 14 hours a day. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. Like, because I wanted to get my level of Jesus, but I told myself I'd read the Bible first. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading, and this part right here is 100% what happened. I'm reading the Bible, and I got to the part in Matthew where it said Jesus died for me. I did not know that Jesus died for me till I read it right there in Matthew. I was 27 years old at this point. I did not know. I, I've been to church, people yelling, screaming, but nobody explained it in a way that I could understand. Yeah. So I'm reading it right there like he died. And then I turn to Mark and he died again. I'm like, what in the world? And then Luke, by the time I get to John, I'm like, why are you going back in the garden, Jesus? I don't understand what you, like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> like, I really. So you weren't understanding that the gospels were just different accounts no. of the same events. I had no idea. Right. I thought he died four times. I was like, this don't make no sense because nobody had ever explained it to me. And I never read the Bible all the way through. And plus, if you read any regular book and they tell you the same story four times, you're like, yo, it's something. I kept thinking I was rereading it. I'm like, did I read this already? <laughs> so I finished reading the Bible and I go to church and I give my life over to Jesus like during the announcement. So it took me 36 days. I read the Bible in 36 days. And I gave when I gave my life over, I understand stuff now. I used to just think I was funny. Now I understand I'm funny for a reason. Mm. There's reason. There's a reason for me to have this sense of humor the skill and these talents. And it's not just about me getting laughs. It's also about me delivering the insights and the understandings that God has given me to deliver to the people. Comedy is a seasoning. It's not the meal. I'm excited about Friday bringing a meal to the event. It's cool. You know, you, you, you're clearly a comedian, but you, from your stories, there's a little bit of counselor in there. There's a little bit of pastor in there. You got a lot going on there. If you want more Friday, (laughs) Anything I left out? You want to throw another word in there, Michael? Okay, yeah, let's throw in um, 
handsome and athletic. We should probably throw that in there. Too. We could throw that okay, in there no if you'd like. That. Text okay. the word junior to 312-274-9624. Clearly going to be a lot of fun. Text junior to 312-274-9624. Michael Jr., thanks for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Helping you start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, I got to tell you, I'm going to let you know something here, Boom Crew, because uh, my my buddy Jim has now let folks know I had a really difficult call with a dear friend, Jim Streelmeyer. He won Alumni of the Year last year here at Moody Bible Institute. He's got one of the most amazing inner city ministries in Indianapolis that you can ever imagine. This is a man that uh, I heard just the other day. Uh, a friend was with him in Indianapolis and said, uh, where's your coat? He said, oh, I gave it away. Someone needed it. He said, I'll get another one. That's the way Jim's lived his life. Mm. My buddy Jim is, um, unless God intervenes, he's going to die. Uh, cancer has come back with a vengeance in his life. And um, I told him that I'm, I'm not laying down for this one. And I want you to join me in prayer for my buddy Jim here. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would heal my friend. I don't know your ways. Sometimes I don't understand everything that you're doing, but I do ask that you would heal my buddy Jim. That you would give us more years with this incredibly rich man of faith. He's, he's challenged me. He's busted my chops. He's encouraged me. He laughs contagiously. And I want him to stick around. And I don't even want to pray plan B. I want to ask that you would heal my buddy Jim. And that's all I'm asking, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a couple of brothers in studio here who understand the power of prayer. You've seen God do mighty things through prayer. Mm -hmm. Jake Christopher, my right-hand man, and uh, Sheridan, we've just got us a couple of minutes here. You've seen prayer move mountains in India, haven't you, Sheridan? Yeah. Give us an example of mountain-moving prayer in your church-planting, disciple-making ministry in India. How have you seen God move? Yeah. Um, in one of our um, work in, uh, in India, uh, you know, we have, we have labored for over 10 years, and we haven't seen any fruit. Mm. And, uh, and sometimes it, it, it gets on you. It, it, it depresses you because after all the hard work is gone, you feel that God is not moving, yeah. right? And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, God begins to show up in yeah. out of the blue. It's it's just that the timing is so perfect that He begins to move, right? And uh, and then you you begin to witness healings and miracles and and stories of transformation, and God just changes the whole atmosphere and and there's people flocking into the church and one such thing happened in one of our states where 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 healings and miracles was just an everyday thing you know um, there was one girl uh, which i shared she was demon possessed from the age of 5 
And for 20 years, she was oppressed by these, by this demonic influence in her life. Mm. And the parents have taken her to witch doctors. That's what they do. These local Hindu, you know, priests who can offer rituals and prayers to find all sorts of cure. Nothing worked. And she came to church. And when the prayer was offered, she was set free. Wow. And, and, the, and the family was, was, was touched and they, they became Christians. And the, the whole village, you know, began to accept the gospel. And then they said, this, 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 you know, the tantric or this witch doctor has been coming to this village every year. And they said, we don't need him anymore. We have Jesus. We have Jesus, the great physician, the great healer. He's the one who's changed our lives. And they begin to pray and say, Lord, we don't want this this witch doctor, anyone, from that day he disappeared, right? And today they worship Jesus as their one true living God. And, uh, and there's been a, a, a release of God's presence that has transformed the village. That is what we're talking about. You know, Sheridan is going to go back to India soon and uh, begin to work. You know, it would, it would be so tough to labor for 10 years, but then to see breakthrough. Absolutely. Yeah. It's worth it all. And uh, I want to tell you, Sheridan, it's been a joy. You speaking to our leaders, about 50 of them last Sunday, and the inspiration that you gave them and the encouragement of what it looks like to be a disciple in the persecuted church, very inspiring. And I want to ask in Jesus' name that he would anoint you, give you unction of the Spirit, that the boiler of your soul would be filled with a fresh anointing. Amen and that God would give you spiritual energy that would be unattributable to man and that it would be born of God. You know what, Boom Crew, I want to tell you this is the last time we're going to mention this. is just the third time this morning. We're doing this very gently because we know a lot of you have a lot of different opportunities to invest in what God is doing around the world. But the unique thing about India is that they have shut out the gospel with the new regime that came in about three years ago. 145,000 Compassion kids were dropped from support, and Compassion was booted from the country a few years ago. Uh, we have, because of my connection with Ajit, my right-hand man at 180 Chicago, who's here in studio, we have an opportunity to, we have means by which we can get resources into these remote areas of India and help with church planting, disciple-making and we've got a link for you. I want you to know, and you know my heart on this. Number one, I trust these brothers explicitly because I work with Ajit, and these are men of integrity. And every penny that's given this morning through this little link that Ali's going to give you will go with no administrative fees straight into the work of Boots on the Ground in India to further the gospel. Into some areas where they... They pound the soil for 10 years, and then God shows up. If this is on your heart, only if the Spirit of God has put it on your heart, we'd ask you to be a part, but at it, it minimum, you can pray for sure. Just text the word IMPACT to 312-274-9624. You're going to get a giving link in that drop-down menu. Just pick Impact Fund, and that will go all, all to the work that we're talking about all this morning in India. So just text the word IMPACT to 312-274-9624. I want to thank you guys for being here today. This has been a blessing, and it's been rich, and I love you both. Thank you. Thanks thank for you, having Paul. us, Carl. Yeah. Again, the word is IMPACT to 312-274-9624. IMPACT. 
312-274-9624. The gospel is going forward on this Freedom Friday. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.